When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of World Cup Fracas, FKA, Touchline Fracas, um, powered by Touchline Media Group. I'm your host for this episode, Chris, and joining me today, I have got the almighty, the legendary, Mako. How are we doing, brother? What's good? What's good? I'm good. How are you? I'm all good, man. It feels like forever I haven't, uh, I haven't potted with you. Um, so, you know, we've got a little uh, one-two Keflin Cup here. Um, you know, the street, streets have been asking for it. They've got it. Um, and there may be another Keflin Cup shortly. Uh, we are waiting. Yaki's having some technical issues at the moment, so hopefully he can come join us. And uh, speaking of joining us, um, if you are joining us today, I guess today when this goes out, we have got the biggest touchline event in history so far. It is the Touchline Fracas World Cup live show and watch along um, at Trapdoor at the O2. It's going to be the biggest show yet, like I said. And if you are coming down, it's going to be amazing vibes. It's going to be food, drinks. Your favorite cast members will be there um, to to banter with and you know share some of the laughs as the as the match goes on. So it's going to be an absolutely good time. And of course, do tell all your friends if you are looking to get a few late tickets. And you know, a few people get a little, little, little bit envious. There might be some tickets available uh, still. So hit the link in the podcast. But um, yeah, we'll be seeing you after show, and hopefully everyone will have a good time. Um, obviously, we're going to talk about the third. Third, third, fourth place uh, playoff today between Morocco and Croatia. But before we do jump into that, Mark, I have a quick question for you. So it's no secret between us and, you know, especially in the KEF group. And I know it's the same in kind of a lot of the other um, club pod groups. We have conversations about, about you know, footballers who are in the eye transfer-wise. So I had a quick question for you. From this World Cup so far, who's the one player that you think has raised their stock the most with their performances? I think Unahi still coming into mm. the tournament as a relative unknown, being part of the dark horses in this World Cup, ended up, unfortunately, and we'll get into it, unfortunately, finishing fourth for himself. Um, but doing extremely well and like raising the standards to the point where he looks like he's possibly going to get a big move in summer. Um, he looks very, very technically sound. He looks like a smart, intelligent player. And he's playing in the middle of the park. He's come up against like some elite players. He played Modric today, and although he only played for I believe thirty-ish minutes, he still looked quite good in that spell um, yep. against France. The two many Rabio and Griezmann trio, and he still was able to hold his own in there. And I guess on another day, Morocco probably could have won if they had like a better number nine, or they were able to put away their chances. Um, but yeah, he's probably raised this stock the most for me. What about you, by the way? Have you got a different name? So, it's, it's they're all fairly Morocco-related for me. Um, like Unahi, and obviously, obviously Amrabat's the other one. I know there was obviously some attention kind of surrounding him beforehand, but mm-hmm. you kind of look at midfield markets in general. Um, I think where you can get gems, you, you have to kind of look for that. And, you know, just, he's, the way he just, he, he was, he's so combative, the way you can kind of like, Operate in space, win the ball back, quick distribution. I think it's everything that you want from kind of your modern day number six, in a sense, um, especially when you're playing a kind of style that um, a, a lot of modern teams do, where you know you need teams to co- to cover space and where you need those kind of players to cover space and make up grounds when you know fullbacks are attacking. So I think he'd be, I think he's done, I think he's done no harm to his stock whatsoever. I know probably the, the Fiorentina chairman is, is licking his lips, paws, kind of thinking of that, but. I mean, Unahi's just like, it's such a good story when you look at it. I mean, the, the guy who was playing, you know, he, he you know, could potentially be playing League League Two, or I guess League Deux football <laughs> um, for, for next season, you know, playing for Angers. And, you know, these performances in the World Cup have been absolutely sensational. You know, there's a little bit of Thiago, there's a little bit of, there's been like just loads of like top class forwards in like a really good high profile, you know, kind of stature of a player, and you know, if he, he's more than earned a, a move to a, a really good club, mm, most definitely. I feel like I would have mentioned Vario, 
but he's his stock was already quite high around among people mm-hmm. that know RB Leipzig. But in terms of like performing on a big stage and people to see what he's really about, then yeah, I feel like he's definitely raised some awareness of what he can do in his game. Although he did get absolutely smoked by Messi, but who wouldn't? <laughs> Messi is honestly one of the greatest players in the history of the game, probably the greatest player in the history of the game. And you can't really do too much there. He made a mistake and Messi didn't let him rest after that. So, <laughs> so what's your what's your um I mean, you know, I think are you really a top level defender if you haven't been baptized by Lionel Messi at this point? You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, yeah he was, um, as Future said, baptized into inside purple activist. Um, I mean, yeah, it, it, it was something, but kind of looking at Guardiola, the price tag on him, and I'll kind of lead this into the conversation about the game that marauding run he had for, um, for their first goal was absolutely unbelievable. Um, a little bit Joel Massive-esque in a way. Um, and it's something that you definitely want for your kind of like your, your modern centre-back so when you can bring the ball out very kind of aggressive in the way he is aerially. Obviously, he's done no harm to his stock in this World Cup, but what, what are your thoughts on him as a, as a footballer in general and some of the kind of the, the rumoured price tags around him? So I was coming off limited watching going into the World yeah. Cup. I've heard his name before. I've watched a bit of RB. Um, over the past year or two, I've kind of faded away from watching Bundesliga and that's more about the times and availability. I just wouldn't always put it on. But so going into this World Cup and like seeing what he's been able to do, seeing how fast he is in person, like he's actually rapid and he covers ground in terms of he's got that Caucasian PMP. Like he's got it all in a gentrified PMP, yeah. Gentrified PMP. And he's able to <laughs> Be aggressive, as you said, and put his stamp on the game, put his stamp on attackers. That's something that mm-hmm. I always like. And we've got someone in the similar vein, Konate, who I don't want to link it back to Liverpool, but he's someone that I really like. And those yeah. are the type of players that I like. I don't like the passive. <laughs> Someone's going to spin this into a Van Dijk slander bit, but I don't like passive defenders. I like them to be partnered with an aggressive defender. And I want my aggressive defender to be my leader. But he looks like a, just going back to Guardiola, he looks like a very good player. Um, he hasn't really put a foot wrong in this World Cup other than the Messi mistake. Um, he even had a marauding run for a penalty claim in the second half that we can possibly speak about where he wins the ball, he makes up about 80 yards and probably should get a pen and VAR gets that wrong. But he looks like a great player and he's got to go on to do great things in terms of price tag, he could probably command about 60 to 80 mil at the moment, especially with how young he is and the potential that he has. I, c- I couldn't agree more. I mean, when was the last time we kind of saw like an under-20 centre-back pull up to a World Cup, be this composed, this mature, and just flat out kind of dominate like he has, really? It's it's it's, it's crazy. I, don't, I mean, it, it speaks to... I'm, I'm, we'll move into a conversation about the game now. Obviously, Croatia win 2-1. And you, you kind of see the scenes... And from their bench of full time, and you look at their finishes over the last few World Cups. I mean, the third place finish, second place finish, and another third place finish. It's the end of that golden generation, the core of that golden generation. You would have thought it would be the end for for, for Modric, for you know, for Brozovic, Perisic, and a few others. Uh, you know, in, in that elk, Lovren maybe as well. Um, if you want to put him in a golden generation, but he, he, he always turns up for Croatia. <laughs> um, but for, for 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 a country that's so so small in, in its its stature and its population, they managed to produce some absolutely unbelievable footballers. And you kind of see it again, like when you've got players like Gvardial stepping up, um, the young lad who played up front today as well. You look at all these different talents that come to the foray. You know, Lukas Sucic, another one who could potentially be really good. You just generate these consistent well of players. I mean, it's it's just speaks such a such a really good testament to their development system and how their FA is operating. Yeah, I completely agree. Um in terms of Sukic being the next up, and we've seen Sukic in depth, being that he was linked, and we've done a little watch, we've played against him. Um, mm-hmm. He looks like a very, very good player, and he wasn't even able to get into the squad. I think he only started two games in the World Cup. Um, yeah. It was also nice for Modric to get a send-off and essentially come third in what is his last tournament. 
I believe it was their first ever tournament. They mirrored it and became, came third again, sorry. Um, so it was really nice to see them have that last hurrah. It definitely was. And that's why I know there's, not, I know there's been a lot of kind of like a bit of criticism uh, online about kind of you know, how they celebrated that, uh, that, that, third place, that third place finish. But I mean, when it's kind of like the end of the run and you've kind of achieved what they have as a group, I think they're more, more than... More than happy is kind of celebrating that. What the, the, well, the more the more the privilege to kind of celebrate in that way. You know, you, you look at some of the players who have been so prominent. I mean, Luka Modric yet again puts in an absolute just shift in central midfield. It's, it's crazy to think that that man is thirty-seven years old and still dropping absolute gems and wonder classes um, on the biggest stages of them all. I mean, Champions League, World Cup. He, there's, there's no bounds. To, there's no bounds to what he can do. Yeah, exactly. And he's even still got that motor and that acceleration. I was literally seeing him burst past people today. I think Ziyech was chasing him down. And he burst past him in like the 80th minute. He was just able to perpetually keep moving. And I don't know how he's doing it at 38, whatever yoga he's doing or whatever fitness that he's doing. I definitely need <laughs> for that because at 28, I'm struggling to do all of that. So I was gonna say, bit- bro, he needs to. He, you know, I've dropped a few pounds myself, man, but he still needs to drop the program. You know, just that flexibility. Yeah, exactly. Jesus Christ, <laughs> that, to be able to get around the pitch like that and even cover ninety minutes, cover one hundred and twenty minutes on some occasions. Like he's an amazing player and possibly one of the greatest midfielders of our generation. I mean, we talk about that, this Croatia team, and we'll get into the match in, in, in a minute. But you know. For all our criticisms of them, you know, the, you know, they're fairly boring in, in, in the way they set up. They're very industrial. I mean, they, they still haven't. I, mean, I guess this is the, this. I, mean, I guess if you count this game, this is the game that they've. This is the game that they've won um, in regulation time um, since nineteen ninety eight. I mean, their the, the <laughs> knockout record is absolutely ridiculous. But it speaks to the, the, the steel, the mentality. And the awareness of that team, and I guess the camaraderie and togetherness, and in kind of reaching collective objectives. Yes, they may may not have got to the very top of the mountain, like they may have wanted, and they've had the opportunity to do in certain occasions. Mm-hmm. But I mean, we're all pissed off when they knocked out Brazil. But I mean, let's be real: if Brazil had that kind of nous that this Croatia team had, they probably would have a World Cup by now. Exactly. And going back to Brazil, the whole Neymar screaming that you don't need five people up when you're. It's five minutes and you're 1-0 up. So ahead on goals that like you don't need to mm. go for broke at that time. So having that little now, and I don't know where that comes from. I don't know if that's the manager instilling that in them. I don't know if it's because a lot of them have played at the top level. Um, I don't know what it is, but whatever they're doing in terms of their football IQ and understanding the game, how to stick in the game when the team is better than them and be able to make sure that they can have that hunger to come back in extra time like they did against Brazil or to win on penalties. That is top-notch. It, it is it is really top-notch touch. And let's get into, obviously, let's talk touch on the game itself. So, obviously, it finishes 2-1 to Croatia. And the first, geez, the first, first 10 minutes of the game, absolutely insane. Obviously, Garvidal. Uh, scores and then Morocco immediately equalised straight after. The steel of this Morocco team cannot be underestimated. Just in how, just in how good they've been. I mean, the never say die attitude and this consistent high energy way of football that they that they have about them, and it showed literally again. And some you know, Dari scores the equalising. It's a bloody good goal too. This is proper football. And you know, you, you kind of just look at it and, and the way through. How impressed were you by both teams in this game? Just like yeah, just just from the offset, how intense it was. Yeah, I'm normally resigned to the fact that third place playoffs are kind of like a glorified friendly, and you tend to see yeah. players that you don't get to see throughout the tournament. Um, and even in this that we did, so Maya has played some games, but he was able to start. Um, also. Ziyech was playing a new position in terms of playing a number 10. There was quite a few tweaks that they were able to just try and throw about. So I didn't know what was going to occur during the game, but it was great to see them go at it. And both teams went for broke. Morocco haven't been sitting back for the majority of the tournament. They've actually tried to play football. They've played in the low block and sat back in that sense, but they've tried to take the game to teams. Croatia have been a bit more 
stalwart in the way that they defend and have been a bit passive, in my opinion. But today they weren't in the slightest and they were it set up for a really good game. It was a really good game, man. I mean, just 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 some, some high intensity kind of like break, breakdowns and, and and battles. So who who kind of like really impressed you throughout these ninety minutes here? Um, I do. I think Ziyech has impressed me a little bit over the tournament, and I think it's just my valuing him went so down in terms of like the way I valued him. Sorry, went so down after seeing him at Chelsea and him not being able to perform in that attack. Um, but in this tournament, he showed me something different. Like he showed me a bit of hunger, showed me that he can get on the ball and dictate and be a leader. Um, I do also like Hakimi. Hakimi is a known factor, but he's always going to impress. Um, in terms of Croatia, I did really like Garvado's performance. I think he was solid. He should have got a pen, got the goal, and the goal was really well worked. Um, the little intricacy between, I can't remember who took the free kick, but Modric ran over it. Someone took the free kick. Perisic headed it into Garvido's path and Garvido finished it off. Perisic mm-hmm. was really good defensively and offensively. Um, other than that, I can't think of anybody else. What about you? What about your end? Do you think anyone performed extremely well that you want to mention as well? I mean, yeah, the, the, the centre-back that came in, uh, I, think, I think Dari played pretty well. Um, Akimi was just consistently on it again today. Uh, it's 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 so you know when you kind of like you see you see, you see just you see good footballers, mm. and usually they're kind of like that just a talisman for their nation. You see that with Hakimi every single time he's on the pitch, and the performance levels like never drop. Anytime he gives the ball away, he's always hungry to win it back. But the one thing that's just really impressed me, like it just he's just these kind of intensity and just absolute drive in these last few games and, and today today even more especially there's a he, he just literally personifies that never give up attitude that um morocco showcased for the the uh for the tournament uh for buffal was was pretty pretty decent again as well but i mean i mean uh, amrabat kind of went a little bit toe to toe with some of croatia's midfield and it's kind of one of those ones where you look at it and, you, and you're like mm, you might be cooking a little something there man i don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it looks like he's got something there. He even went into the centre back spot towards the end of the second half and yeah, to bring the ball forward, do do well. And we've seen midfielders in centre back roles, and we've seen how messy that can be. He didn't look out of place. It can be, it can be, it can be very messy. He didn't look completely out of place, even though there was a couple of positioning issues. He was still good, um, good defensively as well. And I do like the fact that he's very combative. Like he crunches into tackles. He doesn't hold anything back. And he's still a decent enough passer on the ball, has that composure to sometimes not take that first pass that you can see, to scan, to look around, <clears throat> yep. if there's a better option. So I do like that from him. So kind of looking at Croatia uh, in this game, I think they set up, they set up really well. They, they tweaked the formation a little bit in what they did. And I think one of, the big, my, one of my big criticisms is they've not had that kind of clinical... I think Mike put Mike put it really well um, when we were on the pod Thursday. Uh, I think wow, first, I think it was only just Thursday, but it seems like it was a lifetime ago now. Um, that one of Croatia's biggest problems is they don't have kind of like those creators from the wing. Now, obviously, Orsic plays up, you know, Orsic plays up front. But that being said, he just added that extra little bit of emphasis and kind of elements that team, which I thought they were missing throughout a lot of the tournament in terms of their attacking output. Do you think they missed a trick not kind of playing him? A little bit more throughout the knockout stages. Um, yeah, hundred percent. I'm trying to remember the games that he would have played in that he didn't start. But every time I've seen him in this tournament, he's looked really good. Like the finish was a nice bit of ingenuity. Nobody outside of himself in that Croatian team from their attackers, I think, would try that. Maybe Perisic, but Perisic, I don't know too much if he would have. I guess, being able to pull it off. Not that he's not technically gifted, but it's the way he would attack. He wouldn't really go for that type of finish. Like Maybe yeah. he would have pulled it onto his left foot because he is two-footed. He would have pulled it onto his left foot and try to smash it across. But Orsic was very ingenuous, well, very creative with that finish and it was a nice finish to win the game. Um, one shot, one shot on target, one goal. It's very efficient as well. Um, he looked 
dangerous throughout. He was direct and driving at Hakimi, who's a very good defender in his own right and very fast. Yeah. But he was also able to make sure that he could be direct and keep him on the back foot for most of the game. And yes, Hakimi was good going forward at times, but it was a nice battle to see both of them going at it. It was a really good battle. Um, you you got to love a good, yeah, you just got to love a good, good fullback attacker battle, especially when it's like a top level fullback as well. It's one of those ones where it's like, yeah, I know, I know you're gonna like lay it on a little bit extra for me, so it's uh, it's always pretty, uh, pretty nice. Um, Croatia goalkeeper has done a lot for his stock in this, um, in this competition. You know, we're we're, we're connoisseurs of decent goalkeepers, especially on Kef. Um, actually, it's fair as, as an entire touchline media network, we're all pretty good connoisseurs of um, of, of, of goalkeepers. Yeah. What have your what have your thoughts been on him for not only this game because I thought he made some really good really good outstanding saves, um, but throughout the tournament in in a world that's kind of like a little bit limited on good quality goalkeeping at the moment. I think he's been very good, and obviously the headlines are the penalty saves and taking them through penalty shootouts. But other than that, he's looks good in terms of one-on-ones, he's looked good in terms of shot-stopping and his all-round game looks quite good. I haven't seen him be bad on the ball. Um, maybe mm-hmm. someone can correct me on that, but I haven't seen him make a mistake on the ball or do anything untoward on the ball. So it's definitely someone that people may be looking at and who knows where he could end up in the near future. Well, apparently um, Bayern Munich are uh, a little bit interested. I've heard rumours, but I haven't seen anything myself. I've heard a couple of things in like football group chats, but I haven't seen anything myself about that. Be interesting. I mean, you, know, you play for play for Dynamo Zagreb. You know, once upon a time, <laughs> this is going to really show in my age. When I was a kid, they were pretty decent and always in the Champions League, <laughs> at least Europa League at some point. Um, so you, you know, probably wouldn't have thought he'd take much of the game out, but kind of like at, at twenty-seven, he's only really kind of reaching that apex and potential of what he can do as a goalkeeper. So it'd be really interesting to kind of see how he does. Or is he going to take up the mantle uh, of um, the, the old Mexican... I, I don't even think uh, Ochoa is real. I mean, Guillermo Ochoa. Is he going to take up that mantle of being the goalkeeper <laughs> that comes out every four years? Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I had that joke where I just think uh, Ochoa... I, I don't even know where he plays football anymore. Is he still playing in Spain or is he playing in Mexico? We don't know. Because they literally freeze him every four yeah, but this is the thing, bro. We don't even know. Is he just moving around like the Winter Soldier every four years for World Cups? So yeah. it's just these are the things we need to find out. But it's gonna be interesting, kind of tracking his his progression for for sure. Um, I know you've got obviously. I know you have a little bit of an affinity for for Morocco, um, considering you were recently there on 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 holiday. How did you find that? In, speaking of which, how did you find that entire experience, like being out there when the football was on, kind of being enveloped in that football fever that they had during this absolutely fantastic run? Um, first and foremost, shout out to them for being the most successful African team in the history of the World Cup. Um, maybe even the most successful Arab team in the World Cup. I'll mention both, even though I want to say African. Um, but yeah, it was great. It was great. It was nice to see. They're very friendly people out there. So it was nice to see them just enjoying themselves and the streets were a buzz and as you can imagine imagine England going that far you know how England was during the Euros and how everybody was in the streets yep. partying and all that is coming home memes everything was popping off it <laughs> so mirror that to a country that is a lot more I guess joyful than the English people I feel like English people are quite grumpy Moroccans are very friendly and very outward and very outgoing so it was nice to just see them bouncing around in the streets um i believe their king king mohammed rented out his range rover after the win against spain it was like a bulletproof range rover when he was going through the streets of rabat um and everybody was around him i don't think he had security too much but he was enjoying himself and everybody was great vibes out there it's something that i'm very happy that i was able to experience and mm-hmm. I'm happy for them as a country, happy for them as a people. Oh, that is baller, you know. <laughs> yeah. No security. Bro, no security coming out in the bulletproof range, yeah? Whew, okay. I, I remember um, when I was in I was in Spain uh, when they won the won, won the World Cup back in um, back in 2010. Oh, Jesus, it was 2010, wasn't it? Jesus, I am old now. Um, and that was... <laughs> that was 
Realization just hit you good pod. <laughs> yeah, there's like literally this is like a, a Chris realizes how old he is pod. Um <laughs> God, that was ages ago now. There's three World Cups ago. Jesus. Um yeah, I mean I was I was out there for, for, for when they won the World Cup and it was just like you know, unbelievable vibes, you know, seeing people so happy, so passionate about kind of it's, it's more the pride they have in their national team and obviously the players that are in there. I mean, you know, being in Madrid and some of the Madrid players that were in that squad. Just seeing just that, that, that overwhelming sense of pride, and it's going to be even more when you're, you know, kind of a, a nation like Morocco, obviously not known for for, for, for your football in, in a sense. And you've not only made your country proud, but you've ne- you've made nearly almost two nations proud in the, in the in the way that you've performed, and some of the giant killings that you've had too. I mean, the, the Spain win alone could have got you, could have made you immortal. But knocking out Portugal too is just absolutely insane and. The level of performances and you know, the, the kind of that commitment to excellence and that never say die attitude has just been absolutely sublime. And it's been it's been a real good fresh air for this World Cup, especially when it was so maligned kind of coming into it. It's been really good to see. But is it even, even sorry, 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 I got know it badly during the World Cup, but even the Belgium win was a great win in itself, being able to beat Abel yeah, a massive win. Four of the top ten in the FIFA World Rankings or something like that. So that's done massive for their confidence and massive for them as a country. Yeah, I mean, like Morocco, Japan, are kind of the, the two for me where you look at them and you think, the, the, the way they play football, um, just, you know, there's just the style, the tempo, the intensity, um, and, and kind of the mannerisms of both their teams. It's just, it's, it's great to see. It's what, it's what the World Cup's about. Um, it, it, it is. It, it, it is, man. And I mean, the um the Morocco manager kind of came out after the game and and he said and and this is and realistically at the end of the day this is what this is all about um when you think about it so something that has touched me is when I see the pictures of children because for there's something that has touched oh, sorry there are doubts the doubts were in the minds of everyone before this tournament but we have gone further than expected and it's not enough that needs to be set example for the future something that has touched me is when I see the pictures of children because football makes people dream we have allowed children to dream we have kept those dreams alive. Children in Morocco and around the world dream of winning the World Cup, and that means more to me than winning any game at the World Cup. I mean, come on, man. It's a nice community spirit that they have and just investing in the young ones. Um, I guess just to like tie it back into the game, I even feel like this is a game that they possibly could have got more from. Um, there mm, was I a Nesri chance quite late on in the game where... It gets to him at the back post and um, the Croatian keeper, I can't remember his name. I was going to say Nubal, but I'm sure that's the Bayern Munich keeper. Um, but the Croatian keeper was able to smother it quite quickly. And who knows what could have happened if it goes to 2-2. And these are two teams that have been resolute throughout the tournament of one penalty yeah. shootout. So it would have been great to see them go at it in extra time and possibly a penalty shootout. But overall, I think this has been an amazing spectacle this whole World Cup entirely. And I was very, very doubtful at the beginning of the World Cup because it's mid-winter, it's mid-season. Who knows what could be going on in the club form and who knows what could be going on with people's mindsets about trying to go back to their clubs. But people have, well, players in general have been great. Everybody out there seems like they've enjoyed themselves, even though there's not even any alcohol in stadiums or anything like that. It looks like everybody's had a joyous World Cup and enjoyed it to the fullest. This is the thing, man. Like everyone seems to, you know, they've had a really good time, and you know, like like we said, considering this World Cup started off with an absolutely insane uh, press conference <laughs> from the head of FIFA, um, <laughs> bro. You know, like, to, 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 today I feel disabled, and it's like <laughs> fucking hell. It's like is is is, is this if this is where we're starting? It there's literally nowhere we can go but up. Um, but no, man, a massive because no, this because it's a two man pod, yeah. It feels like any other business, yeah. So let's get into <laughs> it. <laughs> Did you see the um, the thread about funny things that have happened this World Cup? No, was, um, the England's wags got pissed on in like a yacht or something like that. Oh, somebody, was, somebody was pissing off the side of a balcony in the yacht, and it going on them. Um, Did you know you could be prosecuted for that? <laughs> There was a whole scandal around Vlahovic and sleeping with somebody's wife, or well, one of his oh. teammates' wives. 
And Granite Jacker like kind of pointed that out during the game, which is why apparently the fight started. Oh, so that's why it all kicked off. Yeah. Like there's little like nuances oh. throughout this World Cup that make it a bit funnier than it is. It's been an overall. <laughs> like, I don't think Qatar have done anything that plays well. I feel like they've raised their stock anyway. Let's call it that. Yeah, like they've not. Raised... They've obviously you know the, the stuff about all the, the you know the, the, the LGBT. Um, issues mm-hmm. that I think you know I think that was fair game for for, for criticism in general. But uh, at the end of the day, it, it's it, it's their culture, and you kind of have to you know you might not like it, but in a sense you have to respect yeah. it because it's their custom and it's, it's just it's just how they are. But I mean they've done I mean I think I think they've done an absolutely fantastic job of of you know hosting this World Cup. You, you've not really heard a bad word from anyone who's kind of gone over there, and the vibes seem to be absolutely immaculate. I think I actually I think I did see I think I saw this top of that thread by the way and it was of um that Croatian woman it was like kind of oh, um, yeah yeah, yeah. and that guy was like follow. I can't lie <laughs> she's <laughs> really got a cheeky follow still no though for Bro. all the people out there that just want to like you know get a little pre on <laughs> <laughs> I got you I got you do you know what I mean you know we the, the, the streets have always got you um and obviously it was that picture of that um Qatari guy just kind of with his camera behind going, yes, let me get this <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which I mean, hey, you do you, man. You do you. If you want to get caught in 8K like that, um, more power, more, more, more power <laughs> to you, my guy. Because um, I know if that happened to me, I'd have been catching a whooping. This, I wouldn't have even, I wouldn't have even left the stadium. I'd still be in the stadium. And if it was a whooping, I would have got when I was coming back. Because fucking hell. Um, we talk about um, the spirit of... Um, uh, this kind of Morocco team, and obviously the midfielder making his debut, El Canus, um, eighteen years old. I think he had a fairly decent performance. You know, some good, some good touch. It, this is what you would call a typical Liverpool debut performance, or something of its ilk. Really good, confident for the first few minutes, but then at some point he got a little bit overwhelmed, and he was a little bit culpable, for, obviously, for the second goal, giving it away kind of in, in his own half, and it kind of cost them the game. But again, you kind of you, you see it from. You see it from that team and the, the spirit that they they really have. No one really kind of went over and you know gave him a bollock in. It was just you know arms around him. You know we'll get back and we'll do this. And, and again, they almost did do it. So it, it's good to see. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see kind of th- that the trajectory of that um of that Morocco team. You know, most of their players are are fairly young and kind of seeing seeing see where they go. Yeah, it would be nice to see what they do next World Cup. Obviously, they've got a few players coming through like him and. It'll be good to see where they end up if, for example, now he's able to kick on and become the player that he potentially could be. It'll be nice to see him return in the next World Cup. Hopefully they're able to be they will be able to qualify. One hundred percent, man. Hopefully hopefully they do qualify. Apparently Luka Modric has said that um he's gonna continue to play for Croatia until at least um the Nations League finals next June. Um so that, that basically says I'm um, Gonna run it back for the Euros at some point, which is. I hope so. At forty, though, is he really gonna be able to run it back for the Euros? I mean, how old was Zidane? I can't remember how old Zidane was when he when he had that last World Cup. Let me check. Because he, I remember that he went. I think it's been like thirty-eight, maybe. Yeah, we'll definitely get back to that. We'll get, we'll get, we'll get IT on that one. Yeah, we'll get a fact checker on that one, just to make sure. But yeah, man, I mean, um, this is this is the this is the interesting thing, man. You look at him, look at how he's performing, and he's still doing it at the top level. It doesn't look like he's like below his depth. He doesn't really get injured. At all. Do you reckon he can do it? At 40 years old, Oof. that's a big ask. Mm. But based on his trajectory, like at the moment, and how he doesn't seem to be declining, maybe he could get 60 minutes, 30 minutes here and there and contribute throughout the World Cup. But it's going to be extremely hard. Like, I feel like the levels are going to go up in the Euros again because. Look, well, a lot of players are becoming better. I feel like France are going to mm. be a lot better. Germany are going to be a lot better. 
possibly Netherlands as well. A lot of their young players are going to be at the age where they're maturing into their prime. Um, so it could be something where he's running to the ground. But let's see. It'll be nice to see him do it anyway for those people who love a midfield general. Uh, we all love a midfield general. Um, yeah, it, yeah, it'd be, be interesting. Especially with, like, if you think about it, the evolution of PMP when it comes to midfielders too. He's like going to just be a point where he just gets absolutely overwhelmed and swamped. I mean, you know, we haven't even seen. Look at Francis midfield at the moment. It's you know they're playing they're playing a, a two man pivot basically, without Pogba, without Kante. <laughs> um, so I mean, if, if, if you run into them, that, that could be a bit of a potential buzzsaw. And you don't you don't you don't want to see a guy like that go out, be absolutely just pammed by pure PMP midfielders with you know with a lot of tech too. So. It's definitely gonna be it's definitely gonna be interesting. But but yeah, massive kudos to Croatia. Um and of course massive, massive kudos to Morocco. I mean, they have really they've restored the feeling um for, for this for this competition. We haven't had a dark horse like that for a while. I say dark horse. We haven't had a the surprise package like that for a while, um, who've really kind of captured not only the, their own nation, but the entire world in the way that they play. So more of it, please, uh, in, in, in future competitions. So it's gonna be it's going to be really fun to try and track their development um, and you know, kind of see where Croatia go from here too, um, coming up with the Nations League and the Euros. Let's quickly touch on, obviously, tomorrow's game, the, the big game, uh, three o'clock kickoff. It's going to be Lino Messi, um, Lino Messi club de football, nation de football against uh, against France. We, we t- I briefly touched on this with some of the guys on, on, on Thursday, but with the performances from the... Um, from the uh, from the knockout stages from both of these teams in how they've kind of operated and set out, who's giving you the more confidence heading into tomorrow? Is it Argentina or is it France? That's a very hard question. I don't think I can answer. So I'll just outlay my thoughts on that. Um, I feel like after the Saudi game, the changes that have come into the Argentina team have seen a different side to them. So like Lotto Martinez coming out, um, yeah. Angel Fernandez into the midfield, them being able to get a lot more energy into that midfield because it seems like an old boys club in there. Like they literally were just running it's, on steam. Um, funny when you think about it, isn't it? You, you, put, you put Enzo Fernandez into an aging midfield and uh, look at the change up that happens. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. Well, if, if, if anyone from Liverpool Football Club was listening to this, I'd just say, yeah. you know, but you could see the results. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he, um, he comes into it and... Julian Alvarez comes into the game and they're yep. straight into the team and they're both able to inject like a new freshness. And I remember listening to a pod about this quite recently. I can't remember what day it was because the pods are coming thick and fast at the moment. Shout out to the Touchline team. But um, a couple of people were mentioning that the changes mean that there's a lot of young players that are playing with Messi that look up to him as an idol and yep. they're looking to do it for him. I think it was Mariah possibly even saying this. They essentially want to do it for their hero. Who wouldn't want to win a World Cup with Messi? And who wouldn't win a world, want to win a World Cup for Messi? Like be part of that story, become legends, essentially. But they're, they seem young and hungry. On the other end of things, I feel like France are defending quite resolutely, even though they're conceding quite a bit of goals. I feel like in terms of uh, chances conceded, sorry. They're not conceding that many chances. I feel like in Canate, who may start on Sunday. So Lekeep was saying earlier on, apparently there's a little bit of an edge for Upper over okay. Canate, which I have. Uh, we, we, we were I don't like that too much. I don't like how Deschamps has yeah. been doing that favouritism thing because Kunde should not be starting at right back. Nope. I don't think Varane should be starting. And I don't think. In fact, no, I do think Upper Cardo should be. <laughs> I always say it wrong, but I don't think Dayot should be starting. Um, I feel like they have better options in both of those areas. And Varane's just coming back off a serious injury that was possibly going to rule him out the World Cup. Um, I also think there's when you're playing that. French team, problem with because it's the big, the big game experience. Yeah, and it is the big game experience. So I hear it. I definitely hear it, but. To do two, what I would call mistakes, um, mm. I don't want it to cost them in the final. I do want to see a good game, and I'm siding with my heart in terms of saying I want Argentina to win for the sake of Messi. But yeah. in terms of seeing the spectacle, I don't want to see players that aren't of the level 
playing at that level. So I don't think Kunde is of that level as a right back. I know Argentina probably have their own in terms of Acuna, who I don't think is a great left back at all. I think he's meaty. Um, but we're gonna see. <laughs> no, I think he's so shit. I remember seeing him at Sevilla as a winger, yeah, like a left winger. And yeah, I remember that. So much <laughs> that. They've just had to shift it to a left back. For me, yeah, a lot of fullbacks are failed wings. So, like, we think of the Rafael Camachos, the younger players that just weren't able to make it at the top level as wingers. Yeah, they always end up moving to wing backs or fullbacks or something like that. So, him himself, I think he's dead. Um, but in terms of the game, I feel like France have a good defense, and Griezmann is probably one of the players of the tournament. He's showing a hey, lot. Listen, of- as as someone who is um, the the president and CEO of the Roberto Firmino uh, fan club, listen, it's been it's been restoring the feeling. It's looking like prime Bobby Firmino out there. I wouldn't even say prime Bobby for me. I'll score above that. I remember Harold saying at the live show, yeah, the England-French game, he was saying Griezmann's playing as a number 10 destroyer. Have you ever seen that? Yeah, true. Number 10, yeah, that is doing so much defensive work and still getting forward, making all these attacking runs. And from where I've seen Griezmann's trajectory, it's not something that I could have imagined or envisioned him doing. Like, he was purely in like a tricky nine ten to me and now he's yeah he's, he's i mean he's always been like the football he's always been like the, the football fans footballer if that makes sense mm-hmm. like in the way that he kind of he can float around the front three he kind of finds himself in all the different positions but there were some points of that england game where he's playing like as, as a number six exactly it's, like, it's just crazy and what i feel like france have and what may give them the edge is the fact that they have him and Mbappe, who are performing at quite a high level. There's been a lot mm-hmm. of talk, and we've had some talk in the Copen group chat. We've had some talk with other people that Mbappe is not performing that well. But for me, in his moments, his moments have been so good that they carried it, carry France over the line. And that's all you need to do, in my opinion. It's not consistently perform for long periods of time. It's when you have a chance or when you have an opportunity to be direct and create something, do that. And he has. He has. He's been. He's been. Yeah. He's. He's, he's just. I say this every time I see him play. Um, and it's the personification of how he set up the second goal. Um, in their in their kind of quarter final, no, not quarter final, in their semi final, the, the close quarters ball control, the way he's still able to kind of glide it in, it's just absolutely insane. And I say it every time he plays, I can't believe he's this good. Like twenty four years old, and he's just like he's, he's absolutely breathtaking footballer. But I'm 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 kind of with you on I'm I'm I'm, I'm with you on the overall overarching sentiment on the game. I want Messi to win because it just absolutely solidifies as his position of the goal. Yeah. I mean, he yeah. he's the goat at the end of the day for me, regardless of what happens tomorrow. But it's just another string to the bow that adds to his case of the greatest of all time. And I mean, let's be real; it's been a while since uh, Argentina. Kind of won a World Cup, and that's and that's football heritage. And if there's one thing I take very serious, it is football heritage. Um, and that's why Brazil needs to sort their act out sooner rather than later because they're uh, they're letting the side down at the moment. But logically, I'm kind of thinking France. They're just the way that they set up and Deschamps. Uh, Sean said this the, the other day. And it was really well. The way he set up is so perfect for kind of like that elimination football, and the way that France team is kind of really structured and they're kind of they're quite rigid in a way. But they've got these players that can deliver big moments. Mbappe can deliver in these big moments. You've seen it from Griezmann. He's delivering these big moments. Giroud always pops up at some point, whether it be good or bad in these big moments. And they've just got all these players that can kind of really create a difference. I'd be a lot more confident for them if Canate started as opposed to um, Upper. Or f- I saw someone calling him Fupa Meccano, you know, and I was like, wrong. <laughs> 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 like, who comes up with these slander names? That might even be easier for me to say. I might have to run with that still. <laughs> I mean, my have to, you know. It's like, who comes up with these? People are too creative these days. But uh, speaking yeah. on the Messi, I guess the Messi versus Mbappe thing, which essentially is, the spectacle is that Messi versus yeah. Mbappe and the, I guess, the master versus the student now. Um, mm. In a sense of them coming again at loggerheads and Messi wanted to make sure that he cements his legacy and 
Kylian Mbappe starting to cement his own legacy if he wins a second World Cup by the time he's well, 24 and he's been Crazy. and he's been um, instrumental in both of them, then yeah, like mm-hmm. he's already started to go some way of reaching the Messi Ronaldo levels. Um, but just on something that I saw and that touchline posted, I can't remember exactly what pundits said it or what pundits have said it, but three of them agreed that the best version of Messi at 23 24 is miles clear of Mbappe. What's your thoughts on that? That's really interesting. The two completely different players, though, at the end of the day, for me. Uh, yeah, Messi at, 20, Messi at 23, which is a completely different animal. Just crazy. Yeah, yeah I think that's... How, I'm going to go really nerdy. And put it in Dragon Ball Dragon Ball terms. <laughs> so yeah, um, Mbappe is like Super Saiyan God, kind of now. But at the same age, Mbappe was like Super Saiyan Blue. It's just, just you know, they're the highest possible level. But one is a little bit kind of you know a bit more overpowered than the other. So yeah. it is what it is. But the sky's the limit for Mbappe. Man. I mean. It's crazy that both of them have really been delivering on the biggest stages since they were like 17, 16, 17, 18 years old. That they've been so incremental to their teams in big moments and big occasions. I mean, remember just that that first Mbappe season at Monaco in the Champions League? He was just badding up teams on the biggest possible stages at some good clubs when he was like slapping up City. Very, very fearless. This is it, man. And it's like it's a confidence, it's a swagger. It's not, and this is this is my big thing with both of them. There's not an arrogance about them in the way they carry themselves. It's just a calmness and a swagger. It's, it's they know that they're better than you, but there's not an arrogance about it. There's an elegance towards it, and that's what kind of like separates them from the rest of the pack, like the Ronaldos of the world, for me. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Like, oh, that guy, man, he, he's in the mud right now. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, I might just turn this into a Messi loving, though. Fuck Ronaldo yeah. for now. <laughs> um, yeah, for, for, for now. The first um, time Messi played football. So, for me, I think it was Champions League game against Chelsea. They were wearing a gold kit. And he that. kicked off the pitch. I think maybe at 17, maybe at 18. But that's the I first remember- she sat down and watched Messi's brilliance. I think that was the same game Ronaldinho did the the dance move before he shot the little tap tap. Oh, that's one of my favorite goals of all time, man. I think it was. My memory might be bad and letting me down on this one, but I'm sure that's the game that I first watched Messi play. And then I remember going to see the newspapers the day after because I used to pick up the Metro every day. So <laughs> well, now I'm showing my age, but I used to pick up the Metro every day to school in it. And I remember looking at the page and Messi's literally getting lifted off the ground by John Terry, but they've won the game. I remember, and this is going to show my age now, I remember reading, yet again, I'm showing my age. Um, I remember watching, uh, I remember reading a story about how, because, you know, this this wonder kid that was a, a Barcelona and how, because of his size, they were giving him like growth hormones and stuff. They kind of like stump his development. Not like actual steroids, but like some kind of growth hormones and stuff to kind of like make him a bit more, a bit more stronger and stuff of how it was before he even like signed his um, first team contract. And I think I remember watching him in it was like a classico, and he was in that number nineteen shirt, and he was like that in like a front three of him, Eto, and Ronaldinho, and he just did, obviously Eto and Ronaldinho at that time two of the Big, two of the best attackers on the, on the world stage. And you got this kid who's like in there, dead, dead young. And he just did not look out of place at the Bernabeu of all places as well. You're there thinking, okay. Um, it's pretty, that's pretty, that's, that's, that, that's, that's pretty interesting. We should probably uh, keep, keep an eye on this guy. But, um, but yeah. Amazing. I mean, Bro. Since he's come through, he's been able to just show ridiculous amount of tech. Like he's probably the best ball manipulator I've seen. So what's I'll do you I'll do you one what's your what's, what's your favorite messy goal? Um straight away it probably has to be the Arsenal Armunia when he chips it over Armunia's head, well flips yeah. it over Armunia's head and volleys it in because 
I remember watching that goal, yeah, and thinking he kicked it off of Armunio. Then they go to the side angle, and I can't believe what he's done. Like, yeah. who has the wherewithal to not be looking at the keeper, but feel the keeper coming, flick it over the keeper's head and volley it into the goal? Mad goal. Like, probably, like, it's the most ridiculous thing I had seen at the time, and I couldn't even imagine anybody doing that. <laughs> so, And because it was against Arsenal, for Arsenal. So, <laughs> celebrate that still. For me, there's two that always kind of come to mind. Um, the first one is the the free kick against us in the 3-0. Yeah, that was a great goal. It's literally... It's probably the most perfect free kick I've ever seen. How far out it was. How pinpoint in the top corner of the net. Because Alisson is literally about an inch away from saving it. But it's so precise and the precision of it is so good. That even at his best, he couldn't save it, and it's such an incredible goal, and it's the personification of the player. But the one that always comes to mind for me, and I think it's just an absolutely outrageous goal in general, is the header he scores against Manchester United in the Champions League final. Oh yeah, 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 that was great. Because the guy, all the match people are talking about, he can't score with his head; he's short. Yeah, and then he just does it like <laughs> he just shuts them up and. I like the fact that he lets a lot of his football do the talking as a player. Like yeah. Even this World Cup where he... Um, was it the Netherlands game where they're going back and forth and he, he wins the game. Then he goes to the to the crowd and like says, yeah, I heard you lot were talking about me. Like Puts his hands to his ears, cups his hands to his ears, tells Weghorst to fuck off and shit like that. Like, I love, <laughs> I'm loving this little narrative of Messi now starting to say, yeah, like I'm that guy, like, openly in this World Cup. So, yeah, it's one of those like, I am him. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think also one of the ones that I'll put up there was um, there was a El Clasico 3-2. I can't remember what year, but last kick of the game, I remember Messi picking up the ball, maybe the halfway line. He spreads it out wide receives the ball on the edge of the box and whips it bottom corner, I think at the burner bow, and then he goes to raise up his shirt. The iconic picture of the 10 on the back of the shirt and he's raising it up to the crowd. I think oh, that is yeah. there for me, just in terms of clutch moments and the celebration. Yeah, it's one of the coldest celebrations of all time. There's so many messy goals you can name. There's so many times he's beaten players. There's, I think, uh was it Real Sociedad one where he takes the ball down through someone's legs, like with the same touch, like he brings it down, takes it through someone's legs, beats a couple of players and slots it. Like my memory's probably failing me in a couple of things that I should mention as well, but Messi is just one of the overall best players I've ever seen. I guess to just tie it back to the World Cup though, what do you think the best goal of the tournament has been? And I know we've got a few contenders. There's a lot. The, the, the one from today was pretty good. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Orsic's one was great. He was a cold finish, man. Um, I'm going to cheat a little. I'm going to say Abubakar's goal. Abubakar's was nice. How <laughs> <laughs> outrageous it was. It was cold. It was cold. Like, just to scoop it over the keeper like that was nuts. I think there's, I a, lot, like there's, there's a lot to be said. Sorry, sorry, sorry about There's a lot to be said yeah. for someone who's like, Basically became like someone's biggest hater. He's like, "Why is Salah getting all this love and not me?" And he's like, "Well, bro, you Vincent Abubakar. Like, there's 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 kind of no comparison at this point." And then he just goes out and backs up his shit talking by doing that. I yeah, kind of have cool. to respect it. So, um, I would also say I like Carlison's one, Richarlison's mm-hmm. one. Sorry, that was very good. Um, that was a cold finish. Excellent technique. But it has been some very good goals this World Cup. It's been an overall great World Cup. And hopefully tomorrow we'll top it off, be the cherry on top of the cake. Hopefully. I mean, especially after this messy loving we've had today, um, kind of needing to win now at this point. Um, yeah. I mean, I have got Kef in, in the Kef sweepstakes. I've got France. So, I mean, it'd be nice to kind of take <laughs> every, It would be nice to take everyone's money. Um, but hopefully you have you might even do it still. Who was who's got Argentina again? Peter in it. I think it is. Yeah, yeah. I can't have him Peter winning. I mean, especially <laughs> after some of, 
Yeah, well, it must be too much, but I mean, after some of his <laughs> recent uh, recent actions, I can't have a peer with him. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, no, nah, it's been an absolutely fantastic World Cup. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure to be part of such a really good network that's been covering it day in and day out. Um, you know, from from the ten o'clock in the morning games all the way till when we didn't have games on. It's been an absolute honour and a privilege to be, you know, uh, part of the, the the touchline coverage during this period of time. And I can't believe we've actually come to the end of it now. Uh, well, we're kind of we're about to come to the end of it anyway. It's been quite the journey, um, and I hope everyone who's who's listened in to kind of every single pod has has really enjoyed being part of that journey with us. Um, today, I feel grateful that people have listened to the content that we've created because um, I've, I've, I've had a lot of fun recording it, listening to it, um, and just being a part of the whole experience. So, yeah, thank you to the powers who, who be for allowing me to be part of it. Um, so, yeah, it's been a lot of fun, man. And, and tomorrow's going to be the ultimate, I guess today when people are listening, it's going to be the ultimate let-off at the live show. We can either cry together, um, enjoy, or in sadness, um, um, depending on the, the result and the outcome. So, so yeah, man. It's been good. I'm not looking forward to going back to watching Liverpool, but um, those are the breaks, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, where would you actually before we sign off, Mark? Where would you rank this World Cup in terms of um, the ones from prior years? And I'm I'm, I'm, point, I'm pointing I'm pointing near the top, you know. Yeah, it's up there for me still. It's maybe top three, maybe top three. I definitely need to. Well, I'm saying top three, like I've experienced loads of World Cups. Like I'm still quite <laughs> yeah. young. Um, maybe top two. I definitely need to have a better think about it because I don't want to say anything too earnestly. But yep. yeah, maybe top two. I really like this World Cup. I feel like there's been the hero and villain narrative. There's been the underdog narrative. There's been everything that you can imagine. Like we've had a game with 17 yellow cards. Messi could have got sent off. We've seen... Mm-hmm all different types of things, even outside of that. So that thread has shown a little bit more of the external matters on the pitch that are not on the pitch, sorry. So, yeah, it's been mm. really good. What about you? It's, it's, I mean, uh, again, so my first World Cup that I watched <laughs> was, what I watched properly was, was World Cup 98. So that always kind of like holds like a, a proper, proper special place in my heart. Watch like loads of the games in my nan's house on you know the TV that was massive at the back and stuff like that. Um, so that one always holds like a real good um, kind of like sentiment in my heart. 2014 is also up there for me as well. Um, but yeah, man, I, I'll probably say that this is like top three for sure. Just in pure entertainment value. So the VA, it, it was looking shaky in the beginning with you know all the all, all the VAR gaffes and stuff. The, the, you know the, the 15 minutes of extra time. Uh, during that first England game, um, when someone, uh, for some reason, someone put a work meeting in at two o'clock, so I was like, "Let's let's hurry this shit up so I can get back to watching the game." Um, but yeah, man, it's just been it's it's, it's been an absolute joy and pleasure to watch. You know, all the underdog stories, the giant killings, that those those footballers who you know are special, just pronouncing it yet again on the biggest stage of all, is kind of reaffirming how good they are. It's just been great, man. It's been it's it's been an absolute joy. But yeah, um, so yeah, I guess this is the penultimate episode. So how will it end? Will will the old gunslinger, will Lionel Messi, go out on on a high, hoisting that World Cup at an international level, or will France continue their domination across world football and repeat and be two-time World Cup winners? Only one way to find out, 3pm today or tomorrow. Depends. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for tuning into this pod. I have been your host, Chris, and I've been joined by the fantastic, the marvellous, Marco. And if you love hearing our voices, you can listen to Kef every Wednesday. Um, and we'll back up. I guess we'll back up from next week. Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> we're talking about all things. Up, 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 up. Get back going again, man. Fucking Get back all. going, man. Jesus Christ. We've got to talk about... Costa Shimmercast. Wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was really harsh. I like Shimmercast. I don't know why I just ran the picture of my hat. Um, but yeah, if you love what we do, please do listen to Kev. And if you love what everyone else does, listen to Chessy Hour, listen to Mugger, listen to Touchy Gooners, listen to NSL. Yeah, we've got a great selection of pods. And for those of you seeing us today, it's definitely going to be a lot bubby than it was this night. Like, it is quite late. <laughs> and... <laughs> 
it's definitely going to be a vibe. Like, if you've been to one of our live shows before, you know that we get cracking at every single live show. Um, our last club live show was amazing. We were screaming. Arsenal get battered everywhere they go. Oh, that was awesome, man. That was amazing. So hopefully we'll be able to top that and top those vibes. But see you later today if you're listening in the morning or see you whenever we see you in it. And if you get envious, there's only one way to kind of get that experience. So the next time there is a, a live event, you got to come. You got to get the whole touchline experience, baby. But yeah, thank you very much again for tuning in. I've been your host, Christian. I'll be joined by Mark. Peace. Who will win? We'll see you soon. Sports Social Podcast Network.